Well, today I'm excited. We're beginning a new message series called Understanding the End Times. We live in perilous and dangerous times. You know, two-thirds of the voters in the United States think that our country is headed in the wrong direction. Anybody here think it's headed in the wrong direction? Probably at least two-thirds of us do. You know, last few weeks, what have we seen? All kinds of headlines. We have this deadly Ebola virus, right? Killing thousands of people in Africa and uh, some people coming over here. We see continued reports of this, uh, the Islamic or the ISIS Islamic terrorists doing all kinds of atrocious things uh, to people, their practices. The Middle East is perpetually in the news. Conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. And you, who knows what Iran is going to do next. And chaos going on in Iraq now that we've pulled out. And uh, we're concerned about terrorists coming to our shores. And all kinds of... <clears throat> People are being encouraged to commit acts, uh, Islamic terrorists can uh, encouraged to commit acts of violence in, what, in Canada and a hatchet guy attacking police officers somewhere and I mean it's just all over the place. In our country we're confronted with increasing acceptance of sinful practices in our society and our culture. Abortion, homosexual marriage, gambling, pornography, divorce, adultery, violence, racial issues. You know, just in the past few weeks, pastors in Houston, I don't know if you read about it, uh, they were ordered to hand over their sermons to the mayor's office. The mayor is a lesbian, and she wanted to make sure that they hadn't preached against homosexuality or they were going to be in big trouble. And so they had to hand over, or they were ordered to hand over their sermons to the mayor's office for investigation. Well, they haven't handed them over yet. There's a big fight going on about it right now. In Idaho, a pastor and his wife are being threatened uh, with jail time because they are Christians. They refuse to marry a homosexual couple. And so they are being threatened by the city with being put in jail if they do not comply. Right here in St. Louis, there's threats of rioting depending on the outcome of the uh, Ferguson Grand Jury report, which should come back, uh, I believe, early next month. And so is this just more of the same? Is this things that have been happening on? Is this the way our world is? Or is something unusual going on in our world? If you're young, you might think, well, this is, you know, if you're a teenager, it's like this is the way it's always been. If you're over 30, there's a few of us here that are over 30. I'm just barely over 30. But I, I remember when things were different. Uh, I remember when... You didn't see headlines like that every day. Things have changed and not for the better in our country. I believe in some ways our country is in a downward spiral. Things are not headed in the right direction. And so today we want to ask the question, does God's word speak to the times that we're living in? And I believe that, it, that he does, that God's word does. Today I've entitled the first message in this series, When Are the Last Days? When are the last days? We're going to talk about the topic of the last days. The Bible speaks about what's going to happen in the last days. And if we're living in the last days, then these passages should speak to us. They should speak to us today if we're living in that time period. And so we want to ask and answer that question. Are we living in the last days? Now to the answer that question, we want to look at just briefly seven major historical 
and supernatural events that are given to us in Scripture so we can put ourselves on the historical timeline. The historicity of each of these events is under attack today by opponents of the gospel, by opponents of Christianity. The first great event in the Bible is creation. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the universe. God created you. He created me. He spoke. He created from nothing. He created uh, all life as we know it. Of course, creation is under attack in many ways today, the biblical account of creation. Next historical event is corruption. Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, by Satan in the garden. They gave in to that temptation and they fell into sin. It's called the fall. And this whole earth was cursed because of original sin. Next was catastrophe. God judged the ancient world by sending a worldwide flood, a deluge that wiped out all of civilization except for Noah and his family who were rescued on the ark. Next, there was great confusion. The nations of the world were determined to make a name for themselves. They became very prideful. They began to build a great tower, the Tower of Babel, and God confused their languages. They all spoke one language. He confused their languages, and they scattered across the face of this earth, each language group developing itself into a separate nation, into a separate people group. All of these things really happened, and they explain so many things about what our world is like today, but they're really ignored by many people. Next, and most importantly, Jesus Christ came. The Son of God was born to the Virgin Mary. God became flesh. Uh, he took on human form. He was fully God and yet uh, fully human and yet fully God. Uh, he lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. He took our sins upon himself, the perfect sacrifice. He died that we might be forgiven. He laid in the grave for three days and then he rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And he ascended back into heaven. The seventh event, now you can tell the first six have already happened. The seventh event is the consummation, talking about Jesus returning to this earth. Jesus said he's going to come back, and that's the topic of our message next Sunday. We're going to talk about that in great detail. He's going to come back, and he's going to judge this earth, and the dead are going to be raised to life, and ultimately he's going to establish his kingdom in a new heavens and a new earth in which all believers are going to live forever and ever. And so where are we at in relation to these seven events? We're between six and seven, aren't we? We're between six and seven, between the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven and his return at the consummation of all things. And as we go through the scripture today, we're going to see that the Bible clearly teaches that we are living in the last days. The last days are the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Bible calls those the last days, and we'll have uh, some verses today that bear that out. Let's look at our first verse today, and in your bulletins, there's a white page there. I'd encourage you to take that out that has the verses written out, and also the outline where you can take some notes. I invite you to follow along there as well as on the screen. Second Peter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. 
And so Peter the Apostle tells us that in the last days there's going to be scoffers that don't believe God's word. They don't believe the things that are written there. They don't believe that Jesus is really going to come back. Life has gone on the way uh, it is going on now for many years. They believe it's going to just go on that way forever. They do not believe in the supernatural intervention of God into history. Now God supernatural intervenes, supernaturally intervenes into history. Those six events were God's supernatural intervention into history. People try to explain it away with natural processes, but no, that was supernatural intervention. And so one of the characteristics of scoffers who do not believe in the supernatural intervention of God in history is they're not true believers in Jesus Christ. True believers in Jesus Christ believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did supernatural things in the past, he can do it today. He's going to do it in the future. And so today we're going to look at a passage in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, to answer this question of when the last days began and some of the characteristics of the last days. To give us a little background, we have to look back to Acts chapter 1. And immediately before Jesus ascended into heaven, he's risen from the dead, he gave some instructions to his disciples. Acts 1, 4, and 5 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said these words to his disciples. Now what do you think about the last words that, that somebody who's going to die or pass on their last words are pretty important, right? Because that's the last words he was going to speak to his disciples in person. So these are very, very important words. They're very, very important instructions. The disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. We don't have to, time to go into all this, but they were born again. John 20, 22, uh, Jesus breathed on them and commanded them to receive the Holy Spirit. So the disciples were born again, and yet they were instructed by Jesus to wait after he ascended to heaven, to wait and pray for this baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to encourage you to read the whole second chapter of Acts, maybe Acts 1 and 2 this week, in your Bible reading time, to get the whole picture of what's going on here and how it relates to the last days. Because this morning in our time here, is that right? Boy. Okay, you might have to hang on to your seats. We might go a few minutes over today, uh, but it's going to be good. So we're going to highlight just a few of the thoughts uh, this morning, the main thoughts, but I encourage you to read all of Acts 2. The first of our points here is that the last days are days of the Spirit, days of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.33 says, Peter here is preaching to the crowds at Pentecost. Crowds of people have come, uh, as we'll see what they came for in a minute. But he's preaching to these crowds and he talks of Jesus. He says, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Peter preaches that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he had something to do. He had work to do. And his work was to, he received from the Father the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit that was promised, and he poured out that Holy Spirit upon those disciples who were waiting and praying for the Holy Spirit to be given to them. And so they waited after Jesus ascended to heaven for 40 days. 
And at the end of the 40 days, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all the disciples that were gathered in the upper room. 120 of them. And so, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented manner is a mark, is a characteristic of the last days. In the Old Testament, it was just a few leaders were anointed by the Spirit. David was anointed, Saul was anointed for a time, and then the anointing was removed. Certain prophets were anointed by the Holy Spirit, but, but the people as a whole were not anointed by the Holy Spirit. And now, the Holy Spirit is being poured out in an unprecedented manner. This baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised is for everyone. Acts 2.4 as I said, we're skipping around a little bit. But all of the people were in the upper room praying, 120 disciples. It was the apostles, but many other people, men and women. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So every person in that upper room who was waiting on God, who was obeying Jesus' promise to pray, and was believing God to send the Holy Spirit, to baptize them in the Holy Spirit, they were filled just as Jesus had promised. Not some, not most, but all. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture uses the term interchangeably, they spoke in other tongues by the enablement of the Spirit. And so this baptism of the Spirit is a separate and subsequent event to the new birth experience that they'd had experienced before in John 2. So now let's look at some of the things that the Spirit does in the last days. The Holy Spirit brings revelation, verse 17 and 18. Peter here, again, is preaching to this crowd that has gathered to worship God at Pentecost. And this crowd has seen these 120 disciples come out of this room and speak in languages that they didn't know. And they were confused. They didn't understand what was going on. And Peter begins to explain what is going on. The people were asking questions, what is this? This is, this is strange. This is unusual. And Peter quotes the apostle, I mean the prophet Joel in verse 16, well, verse 17 and 18 we'll read right now. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, Peter is answering the question that people are asking, what are these people doing? Why are they speaking in languages they don't know? Why are they speaking in other, in other tongues? And, and some of the people made fun of them. Some of the people said they're drunk. You know, they're just babbling on. I don't know what they're saying. These people, this doesn't make any... Others laughed at them. And Peter says, no, these people aren't drunk. This is what Joel, the, the prophet Joel, prophesied hundreds of years before. What the people, what you people are seeing with this speaking in tongues is a visible sign that the disciples have been baptized in the Spirit, that Jesus Christ has poured out the Spirit now upon all people. Now, when is he saying this is happening? He says, in the last days. In fact, if you go back to Joel chapter 2, Peter modifies the prophecy a bit. In Joel chapter 2, Joel says, he's 
talking about all the things that are coming on Israel. And then he prophesies and says that afterward, after these things that are going to happen, I will pour out my spirit. Now, Peter changes afterwards and says, in the last days. Now, if, these, if God was going to pour out his spirit in the last days, and these things were now happening, in what time period were they living? It was the last days. That was a mark of the last days, that the Spirit was being poured out. And when the Spirit is poured out on people in the last days, the baptismal Spirit is made available to every believer. Those who are baptized with the Spirit would prophesy. They would see visions. They would dream dreams. In other words, the Spirit would bring supernatural revelation of God's will to them because God is a supernatural God. And that would be a characteristic, not just of the day of Pentecost, but of the entire last days, of the entire time period between when Jesus ascended to heaven and when he is going to return again. Now, where do these tongues come in? Well, that is speaking in tongues you have not learned. Other tongues is a subset of prophecy, speaking words that God gives to you to bring glory to him. And so the last days are days of the Spirit. And so I, uh, I would submit to you that we indeed are living in the last days. In fact, the last days have been going on for 2,014 years. Now let's look at a little bit of history to understand the implications that we are living in the days of the Spirit. Many truths of God's Word, if you study church history, were lost from the early church. We read about the early church in the book of Acts and in the letters of, of Paul and the other apostles. We read what was going on. And as time went on, a few hundred years passed, many of the truths that the apostles taught and that Jesus taught were lost. And the church really fell away from the truth of God's word, the truth of salvation by faith alone, which is like the most fundamental thing that Jesus taught. The most fundamental truth was lost for a period of uh, over a thousand years. And when was it recovered? It was recovered in the Reformation in the 16th century. And that led to the formation of the Protestant denominations. Uh, of course, who was the first one? Luther. Uh, Lutheranism, Presbyterians, uh, Methodists, Baptists, those are the major ones. And that truth was recovered that were saved by faith in Christ alone. An extremely important truth had been lost for all those hundreds and hundreds of years. But the truth about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the truth about that supernatural move of God, was only recovered in a, in a revival in Topeka, Kansas in 1901. It wasn't until approximately, what is it, almost 400 years later that the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit was recovered and it subsequently spread around the world like wildfire. And today there's hundreds of millions of believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit around the world. The Assemblies of God, which Life Church's part, was born in that revival of the Spirit. And it came into being in 1914. And uh, this year celebrated a 100-year anniversary of that. And there's over 60 million people around the world in the Assemblies of God. And it's one of the most rapidly growing denominations in the world uh, across the face of the planet.
And so what should we do? We should seek the same experience that the early church sought. We should seek the experience. We should follow God's, I mean, Jesus' command to us to wait, to seek God, to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized by the Spirit, to be open to the supernatural working of God in these last days. Secondly, we need to understand that these older denominations that I mentioned to you, they don't, in general, teach the truths about the Spirit because that hadn't been revealed when they were founded. And every denomination, when they're founded, they lay out a bunch of things, documents, what they believe. And these things date back to the 15th and 16th century. And so they, they don't believe that, don't believe it anymore. And they are generally what we call cessationists. They teach that the things we read about in the Bible no longer happen anymore. It's all stopped. And uh, because Luther and these other guys didn't believe in it, we don't believe in it anymore. But God has revealed things to us in the last hundred years, and we've recovered these truths about the supernatural moving of God. And so we need to press into God to understand these things ourselves and to help other people understand them because the last days are days of the Spirit. We need God's supernatural power. It's amazing to me that people will believe that devil has power today, but God no longer can move in power because that's something of the past. That's scary. The devil has supernatural power, but God's supernatural power doesn't exist anymore. It's just back in the apostolic days. No, God's power is available today to those who believe. Last days are days of the Spirit. Next, the last days are days of harvest. Can you move the slide? You're going to have to watch me. It's not moving. Acts 1.8 says, when you will receive, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and to the ends of the earth. These are words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. The reason I'm giving them here, this is why the Spirit was poured out. This is the main reason that Jesus poured out his Spirit on the early disciples and made, makes him available today. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we have the power to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. The power of the Spirit gives us wisdom. The power of the Spirit gives us knowledge. It gives us courage and the words to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Now in the Old Testament, the, the day of Pentecost was a great festival. It was a great festival in which the first fruits of the grain harvest were brought in. And people worshipped the, worshiped the Lord, brought in the first fruits. Well, on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, the Spirit empowered his disciples to preach the gospel and bring in the first fruits of a spiritual harvest. And on the day of Pentecost, how many people were saved? That's oh, a quiz time. I'm just testing you. So some are saying multiple things. It's like, uh, if you say enough, you'll get it right. That's 3,000. That's 3,000 people were saved uh, on the day of Pentecost. You all do need to read Acts chapter 2 this week, okay? <laughs> you really do. 3,000 people were saved. The, the harvest was beginning to, to come in. People from all nations will be saved. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People from every nation, it says, were represented at Pentecost in Jerusalem and everybody there from every nation under the, 
the known son who called on the name of the Lord, they were saved. And so in the last days in which we live, God is reaching out. He wants to empower people to reach out to all the nations that they might be brought into the kingdom of God. Now, what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, Peter gives more detail at the end of his message. At the end of the message, and he preached about who Jesus was, how he died for the people's sins, how he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. And at the end, the people said, what should we do? We're the ones who crucified him. What are we going to do? And Peter answered that Jesus was the only way to be saved. Uh, he said in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so Peter here describes three essential steps to becoming a spirit-empowered believer in the last days. First, repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. So it means to call on the name of the Lord. Turn away from your sins, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, you should be water baptized after you've made your profession of faith, following your belief in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, every believer should receive this promised gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This promise, and that's what the promise refers to, the promise of the Spirit, is not just for the disciples, 120 gathered on the day of Pentecost, was it? It says it's for you, the 3,000 people he's speaking to. It says it's for your children. It says it's for all who are far off. I, he's saying everybody. This promise is for everybody. Everybody that God calls. Jesus is the only way to be saved. And we need to be very careful. I, I can't get into that too much, but there's more and more things being published that you can be saved many other ways. It's not true. Jesus is the only way you can be saved. The Muslims are not saved by worshiping Allah. The Jews are not saved unless they recognize Jesus as their Messiah. People who worship other gods, other religions are not saved. They are not going to heaven. Jesus is the only way to be saved. And so the last days are days of harvest. Many people are going to be saved in the last days. And how is it going to happen? It's going to happen through the power of the Spirit, through people who seek God's power in their own lives and allow themselves to be used to tell other people about Jesus. I believe that every one of you here knows somebody who's not saved. Everybody here knows somebody who's not saved. And because you know that person, God has put you in their life so that you could lead them to Jesus Christ. That should be one of your top priorities in life. How can I see the people that who God has placed in my circle of influence who are not saved, how can I see them come to Jesus Christ? How can I witness to them? Ask God to empower you by His Spirit so that you can be an effective witness in their life. So that you can lead them to Jesus and help them to become part of the family of God. Bringing in the harvest. And so the last days are days of the Spirit. The last days are days of harvest. The last days are days of signs and wonders. Acts 2.22 Peter preaching says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God, accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. And so Peter is saying, 
Jesus was here, you know, he did all kinds of miracles. He did signs and wonders. And as we're going to see, this ministry of signs and wonders that Jesus did continues throughout the last days. These things are meant to continue. Signs and wonders will continue. At the very end, after Peter preached to the people, 3,000 were saved. It says everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The apostles continued the ministry of Jesus. They continued to do their ministry through signs and wonders. What type of things did they do? They did the same things Jesus did. What are the main things Jesus did other than teaching the truth of God's word? He healed the sick and he cast out demons. Now he did some other things too, but that's what the apostles did. And as we read carefully, as we saw in our class a couple Sundays ago downstairs, People who weren't apostles did the same things. They healed the sick. They cast out demons as well. And so signs and wonders are available to all believers. It's a way that God can work through us and get people's attention. God still works miracles today for people who believe. Now celestial signs and wonders will come before the end. Verse 19 and 20. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And so Peter here continues to quote the prophet Joel and talk about other types of signs and wonders that are going to be seen in the heavens and on the earth. Now these celestial signs and wonders signal the approaching judgment of God. The judgment of God is coming, which will come uh, at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, from other prophetic teaching in Scripture, we can expect, I believe, an increase in the frequency and magnitude of signs of judgment as the second coming draws closer. And so the last days are days of signs and wonders. So what can we expect in the last days? When is the day of the Lord coming? Well, the Bible clearly teaches us not to predict the day of the Lord's coming. If anybody says, you know, it's 2016, November, I'm just making this up, November 2nd, just don't listen to them, okay? You're not supposed to do that. A person doesn't understand the scripture. You can't predict the day of the Lord's coming. And people keep doing it, okay? There was a guy a few years ago that was doing it again. You know, it's going to, and it didn't happen. Of course, that makes some people think it's not going to, it will happen. It's just nobody's going to predict it. It's going to be very, very unexpected. But I think we can, well, I not think, I know we can say that the second coming of Jesus is 2,000 years closer than it was when Acts 2 was written. The last days will be marked by the advance of the kingdom of God. Many people are going to be saved. The Bible also teaches that many people are going to fall away at the same time. Many people being saved, many people falling away from the faith. The kingdom of God advancing, but fierce resistance from the Kingdom of Satan, there's been a, going to be violent warfare going on. And so we can expect increases in, as, as Satan combats the advance of God's kingdom, we can expect increases in warfare, violence, natural disasters. Jesus talks about the last days as, as things, these things happening as birth pangs. Now I'm a man, so I wouldn't totally understand birth pangs. But uh, the women here, when are birth pangs the greatest at the beginning or the end that's the end 
at the end. They increase intensity towards the end. So if these types of things that Jesus tells us are going to happen, our birth pangs, we can expect an increase in intensity as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we shouldn't be afraid. We should be anxious and waiting for the Lord to come back. It's going to be a wonderful time. But in the meantime, in these last days, until He does come, we need to pray and believe God to do signs and wonders of all kinds through our prayers. They happen to people with faith, people who believe, and that many more people would come to Jesus. And so when are the last days? In summary, the last days are the time between Jesus' ascension to heaven and when He's going to return again, which we're going to talk about next Sunday. We're in the last days. We've been in them for 2,000 years. And just my speculation, I don't believe it'll be another 2,000 years before Jesus comes back. I believe it's going to be for that. The last days are that we are in today are days of the Holy Spirit. Seek to be baptized in and filled with the Spirit because the last days are days of harvest and we need the Spirit's power to make a difference in people's lives. If you know unsaved people, it is your responsibility to share the gospel with them. And some of them are going to get saved and be part of the harvest. The last days are days of signs and wonders. God is a supernatural God. He's still in the supernatural business. Why don't we see more? Because we don't believe enough. Many people teach against it. If we believe God, we will see great things happen. Pray for the sick to be healed. Don't just say, you know, take a Tylenol and all will be well. Pray for them to be healed. We go to doctors, that's fine, God can heal that way, but pray for people. We've seen many, many people healed through prayer. Those who are bound by Satan will be freed as we pray for them. Our best days are before us as we walk with God. I think it's a great privilege to be alive in the time of the last days. That's exciting times that God has for each of us. The most important thing is that in the last days that you are a believer that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, if you're not sure that you know Jesus, who is going to come back one of these days, he could come back at any time. There's nothing preventing Jesus from coming back right now. But we need to be ready. If you're not sure that you know Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray a simple prayer with me, admitting that you've sinned, believing that he died on the cross to forgive your sins, and committing your life to follow him as your Lord. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. And if you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to do it or to commit your life for the first time. Pray something like this in your own heart. Father, today, I thank you for Jesus. I, I ask you to forgive my sins. I admit that I've done wrong things. I've gone my own way. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. I commit myself to following you and your word all the days of my life. For those who are believers, let's pray as well that God would help us in these last days. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did by coming to die on the cross for us. And we thank you for giving us the privilege of living in the last days, the days of the Spirit, the days of harvest, the days of signs and wonders. Help us to be people of the Spirit that rely on and are filled with your Spirit and are used by you to be witnesses for you to those who do not yet know you. 
We thank you, God, that you are a supernatural God who still works signs and wonders in the lives of those who believe. Help our faith to grow, that you might use us to demonstrate your power to a needy world. God, we pray that many more people would be saved, filled with your spirit, and delivered through the ministry of this church in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.